I'm TL, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week at Mass, we say those words, I believe. But our belief has implications on the way we live our life the rest of the week. We explore those implications together right here on Outside the Walls. Did you survive Thanksgiving with your gratitude intact? I know a lot of times as extended families come back together, you haven't seen each other for a long time, and it's really easy to slip back into those uh, those traditional ways of relating to one another. We've got a habit from our uh, from our childhood, and somehow we slip right back into those roles, or everyone else wants us to slip back into those roles, and we chafe against it. Regardless, anytime you get extended family together for any kind of celebration where there's so much pressure. And yes, there is pressure at Thanksgiving. There's pressure for everything to go off smoothly so that we uh, we end with good memories intact. And so the slightest little, um, little encroachment can turn into a major conflict because uh, now it's not just that conflict, but now it's the whole of the memory, right? We have this big day that we're, we put so much pressure on to make memories for us and for our family and for our children. And so now it's not just whatever the disagreement was. Now it's the disagreement plus you ruined Thanksgiving. Well, I hope that you didn't run into that. I hope that you were able to have a pleasant meal together as a family. And as a part of that, that you were able to express gratitude for the many blessings that God has given you. Tomorrow, we celebrate the solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ. King of the Universe. This is the last Sunday in the liturgical year, and this is the culmination. Uh, you know, we start with Advent. That's where we have our liturgical New Year. Uh, that's next Sunday. We start with Advent with this this period of waiting and hoping and longing for redemption, and then we go through and we have uh, Christmas where we celebrate the Incarnation. Then we go through Ordinary Time. We have Lent where we. Uh, realize our own fallenness. We have Easter where we celebrate the resurrection. Tomorrow, the Feast of Christ the King is where we celebrate not Christ's victory uh, over sin and death, that we do at Easter, but we celebrate Christ's dominion over the whole universe and the redemption of that whole universe that comes uh, when Christ is finally, finally given all things uh, at the end of all days, where all things will be redeemed. Right now, you and I have been redeemed by Christ's work on the cross, but the cosmos, the, the universe, is still suffering the effects of the fall, and we're still longing for Christ to be king. Now, I brought up Thanksgiving earlier, not because Thanksgiving just happened, although that's important, uh, but what what's the thing that you know around the dinner table that you don't talk about over Thanksgiving? Uh, everyone knows it's religion and politics, right? We don't talk politics with extended family because they're going to drive us nuts. Uh, we know that we have different political opinions than those who are around us, and so it's just for the sake of sanity we don't bring them up. Now, the reason that I bring up politics is because these days politics are very divisive, Um whether you are conservative, whether you're liberal, wherever you fall on the spectrum, uh, as soon as you begin to express an opinion, everyone knows exactly where you fall on that spectrum. And you get pigeonholed into a, a belief or a system 
And now we can uh, categorize you and we can dismiss you, right? To label someone is to negate them. I don't have to listen to what you have to say if I can put you in a tidy little box. Now, here's the reason that I'm bringing this up. We're not talking politics today, but our politics has colored the way we view the rule and reign of Jesus Christ, our Lord, King of the universe. Because we don't think of of monarchy as the the way that the universe runs, right? We think of, um, if I have a problem with it, well, then I'm going to work to change the laws and I'm going to go out and vote and I'm going to make my voice heard. And I'm going, I am going to influence the way that I am governed. And there is a lot to be said for that idea as it relates to politics, as it relates to the way that we order our society. But we have to, I think, come with extra care uh, into our faith, lest those ideas infect our faith. Because Jesus Christ is not a president. He's not a prime minister. He's a king. And not only a king, he is the supreme king, the king of the universe. And no amount of whining or complaining or begging or pleading is going to change the way that we are governed. Now, we don't, I think, really trust God. We say we do. We profess it. We can acknowledge that in our, in our minds that, yes, I need to trust God. But if we really trusted that God was going to provide for us and that God really had our best in mind, then when we faced hardship, we would be able to rejoice. When we faced suffering like the saints did, we would be able to say, you know what? Um, I am in God's hands. When we dealt with all of these difficulties, we could ask for God to be with us. We could ask for consolation. We could ask to be delivered, but then we leave it in his hands. We trust in the mercy of God. We trust in the kingship and the rule and the reign of God. And so I'm bringing this up today specifically because our conversation is kind of, kind of dovetail into this idea of Christ as king. In just a moment, we're going to be talking with Father George Elliott about a new book he's written called Discernment, Do's and Don'ts, a practical guide to vocational discernment. And discernment becomes much, much easier when we start off with a premise that Christ is king, that it doesn't really matter um, what I want. Now, ultimately, God, because he is all good, he's given us desires. He's placed those desires in us, and so uh, he's done that so that he can fulfill those desires. Uh, but when we start off from our own happiness and our own desire and our own point of view, uh, wanting this kind of democratic uh, way of living our life, then it hamstrings God's ability to guide us into the thing that he has benevolently prepared for us. Christ is king, and so I can turn and give my life to him freely and say, not my will, but yours be done. And through that, through that prayer, God guides us through that discernment process to know his good and perfect and acceptable and pleasing will. Don't go anywhere. There's much more to this conversation right after this. Join us over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. There's much more to come. You're listening to Outside the Walls with T.L. Putnam.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on daily life. I'm your host, T.L. Putnam. We're talking today on this uh, Christ the King is Tomorrow, and we celebrate that uh, here at the very end of the liturgical year, that Christ has come in triumph. At the, to next week, we're going to start with Advent as we await the first coming and the second coming of Christ. But right now, we're celebrating it here at the end of the liturgical year that when all things culminate, it will culminate as Christ, King of the universe. And that has implications for us here today, because if he's King of the universe, he's King of us and of our lives, uh, and ultimately with what we do with our lives. Uh, so there's this great new book by uh, by Father George Eliot uh, called on on ten books. It's called Discernment Do's and Don'ts: A Practical Guide to Vocational Discernment. Father George, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me, T.L. It's good to be here. So I'm I'm intrigued by this book um, because there's a lot of people who talk about vocational awareness. They talk about uh, specifically the 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 drop that we have had in vocations to the priesthood. And of course there is a, a, a serious need for men to enter into the seminary, but even more so, I think there's a serious need for people even just to discern the idea uh, that maybe I should think about being a priest. And of course, part of the thing of discernment is that you may decide that that's not what you are called to do. This is not just, Hey, let's, let's fill the seminaries. It's let's encourage young men and young women to take the time to say, who am I going to be and what has God equipped me for and to discern that process? So talk a little bit about the impetus for the book and, and uh, what you, your major goal with this was. Right. So the, the main impetus of the book is from, from my own experience, first off myself discerning, I'm a fairly young priest. I've been ordained for three years. Uh, and then my work in college ministry um, with Christendom College, I was the Rome chaplain for their Rome Study Abroad program, and then I'm currently a, a college chaplain, chaplain at Stephen F. Austin University. And what I realized is that there, there isn't really a, a book out there that is the practicalities of how to discern any vocation. Um, you know, there are really good books out there of, if you think you're called to the priesthood, read this book. If you think you're called to religious life, read this book. If you want to, if you want to discern marriage, well, read this book. But, um, you know, so many people are, are at the step before that of, okay, I understand that I should be discerning God's will, but I have no idea how to go about doing that. And so I really wanted to give a very practical guide specifically for that. Um, and, you know, I think what you're talking about with the need for, uh, priestly vocations is is a huge part of it. Uh, you know, we really need to support our young people well to make sure that they can discern their vocation well. It's not that God is not calling people to the priesthood. It's that uh, people are not discerning God's will. Um, and so if we really guide people to make a good discernment of their vocation, no matter what it is, then the crisis will, will solve itself because God is not abandoning his church by any means. He's calling many, many young men and women to give of themselves heroically to him. And uh, so we just need to help them to really, to really discern that, uh, recognize what they have been um, given in the great gift of that vocation. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe step one in this process, even before the, the book that you have, 
um, of discerning where to go is I think it's incumbent on the parents and those people who are around a young person to, to expose them to the possibilities. You know, if, if they never see a religious sister or they never see it beyond uh, the habit in a movie, they never see the joy of that person or, or, or that, that how the religious vocation works out in their life, or if they never see the priest other than at the altar on Sundays and they don't see that that priest is a real person who has uh, uh, quirks and passions and, and joys in their life, then that idea of priesthood or religious life will always only be a caricature to them and not something that they could discern because they don't really even know what it is. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I touched on that in the chapter six of the, the book on specifically knowing the vocations. Um, I think a lot of people understand the concept of dating fairly well, but they don't really understand the concept of um, how to go about getting to know uh, religious life um, and priesthood. Uh, and so I kind of use a parallel between uh, dating. You know, it, it's as if somebody were to come up to you and say, you know, I just can't find a spouse. And you say, well, uh, have you gone on a date? And they say, well, well, well of course not. Um, you know, it's, it's the same sort of a thing. We wonder why it is that, that young men and women are not finding uh, their vocation uh, to religious life or to priesthood. And, you know, they've never had a conversation, a real conversation with a priest or religious. Um, and so, you know, we kind of need to apply almost that, that same pattern of not, not going on dates uh, with priests or religious, but, you know, having these real encounters where you can sit down and have a real conversation and uh, get to know what that kind of life is like. Mm-hmm. Now, we, um, we have this generation that has been raised with the idea uh, and, you know, it's in our school curriculum, it's in all the entertainment, that you can be whatever you set out to be. You can achieve whatever you set out to achieve. You can be whatever you want to be in life. Uh, I got that when I was a kid. And so we're, we're aiming constantly for this idea of fulfillment or for happiness, and we're actually shooting uh, for the fulfillment or for the happiness. That's the goal. Um, and sadly... Uh, it's treated as the end unto itself rather than the, the, the byproduct of your life. That happiness and joy come from the things that, uh, that we do, and fulfillment comes from finding our purpose, and the fulfillment is not the end in and of itself. And so uh, what I'm working with, uh, with my children is to look at, at um, the gifts that God has given you and to develop a relationship with God so that, uh, that as you listen God will help guide you uh, through this discernment process. And wherever he guides you, that's the place where you're going to find what you're looking for, the fulfillment and the happiness. And that so often when we aim for happiness, we end up falling short. That's exactly right. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, it was really a, a kind of discovery for me in my own vocation. I, I started off, uh, you know, very much chasing the American dream. I want to go out, get into a good college so that I can make lots of money and buy a big house and marry a beautiful wife and have, you know, two kids and be super rich. And then, then I'll be happy. Um, but I, I had gone through a conversion in that second part of high school and my first year of college. And, um, I just became convinced that God was calling me to the priesthood. And I said, well, you know what, this may not be what I think will make me happy, but this is what 
God's calling me to, and he's not going to leave me alone until I do what he wants. And so I'm just going to go ahead and do it. And I entered into the seminary. And what I realized is that in that, in that purification of myself that happened in the seminary, uh, I found what truly fulfilled me, what truly made me happy. And so, you know, as we, as we conform ourselves more to Christ, we can kind of open up and see what it is that really makes us uh, have, as you talked about that, that, uh, that fulfillment and that, that byproduct of doing God's will, doing what we're really created for, uh, which I, you know, was such a, such a revelation to me whenever I was going through the process. But now I look back as a priest and I think, well, of course that's how it works. Mm-hmm. We're talking today with Father George Elliott, author of the new book, Discernment Do's and Don'ts, a practical guide to vocational discernment available on TAN books. So let's talk about this in, in practical terms. <clears throat> You have a young person who is facing this decision, not the decision to enter the priesthood or religious life or, or marriage, but the decision to begin discernment. What does the beginning of this process look like in a practical way? And following that, what is the biggest mistake that you see people make that this book helps them avoid? Yeah, so the, the beginning of the process always has to start with a real um, pursuit of holiness. Um, if we're not desiring to do God's will in the little things, then we aren't going to desire to do his will in the large things. And so in the same way, if we can't discern God's will in the little things, if we don't know how to recognize what it is that God desires of us in the in the day-to-day, then when it comes to these major decisions, it's going to be this absolutely overwhelming uh, decision and, and, and process for us. And so, um, you know, when, it, when, when a young person is at that stage in their life where they really can't make a step toward a particular vocation, perhaps because they're in uh, they're in high school and you know in their soft, freshman sophomore year of high school, or perhaps they're uh, they've graduated from college but they have this monumental student debt that they have to pay off. Um, you know the thing to really focus on in that time is uh, just focusing on living a life of holiness in your state of life right now. Uh, and I find in, in spiritual direction with, with many young people who are discerning uh, religious life or priesthood or any vocation, that if they really focus on holiness, God just kind of drops their vocation in their lap. It just becomes all of a sudden exceedingly um, clear to them. It's really, it's really a great grace um, to be able to watch that happen in a person's life. Um, and as far as a major pitfall to make sure and avoid, um, I try and point out a lot of them uh, throughout the book. It's it's broken up into seven chapters, and there's a there's a kind of a best practice and a common fit, pitfall for each chapter, um, a do and a don't. Um, but I think one one major one that I find people fall into the most is this idea of um, deciding that they are called to marriage or they are called to um, religious life prior to actually finding a concrete way to live that. So, so I can't tell you how many people I've worked with who have who've come and entered into the spiritual direction and they've said, no, I'm called to marriage. And you say, okay, good. And, you know, I work with them, work with them, work with them. And they go through this immense frustration because they have been convinced that they are called to marriage. However, their idea of marriage is a very... Uh, unrealistic one mm-hmm. because they have this absolutely idealized version of the perfect spouse 
that they are never going to find. And they are going around searching for this perfect spouse. Um, and oftentimes it's those people that in fact are called to religious life. You know, it's, the, it's those young women that have this idea of the perfect husband um, that are called to religious life because uh, they desire to be brides of the only one that is perfect, mm-hmm. uh, which is fundamentally, you know, the, the call to religious life. Um, and in the same way, on the opposite end, you'll find people who say, no, I'm called to religious life. Um, and, you know, I'll absolutely work with them. But as you begin to look at the concrete realities of religious life, they have this absolutely idealized idea of religious life. And, you know, uh, religious life has its crosses, just like married life. Um, and as they begin to know certain orders more and more, they realize, wow, you know what? This is not what I thought religious life was like. And they continue to discern. And, you know, sometimes they still enter in. Uh, however, sometimes they realize, huh, what I thought I was called to was in fact not what I was called to. Mm-hmm. And they end up, you know, very quickly finding um, a good spouse and um, they grow and they have beautiful families. Yeah. So just that, that idea of not pigeonholing oneself into either married life or celibate vocations, but rather looking for that concrete reality to which you are called. We're talking today with Father George Elliott. He's got a new book, Discernment, Do's and Don'ts, A Practical Guide to Vocational Discernment, available right now on TAN Books. Go to tanbooks.com and order a copy for the person in your life who's currently discerning their vocation. Join us over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter the handles at outside the walls there's so much more to this conversation right after this don't go anywhere you're listening to outside the walls with tl putnam Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, T.L. Today, we're talking with Father George Elliott. He is the the college chaplain over at Stephen F. Austin University in Nacogdoches, Texas. Uh, He's also the author of a brand new book, Discernment, Do's and Don'ts, A Practical Guide to Vocational Discernment. Father George, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, T.L. So let's talk a little bit about uh, this process. A person is uh, they've, they've decided that maybe they need to start looking at their life a little bit more closely. Maybe they need to second guess their expectations of life and they need to start actually discerning their life. What is the discernment process just from a thousand foot view? What does that look like? So that process starting off, um, as I mentioned before, you know, it really begins with holiness, uh, and this desire to do God's will and the, the smaller things, and then as you approach a point in your life in which you can make uh, this, this decision of a vocation, or you can at least start taking those concrete steps toward that decision, uh, it's just to set aside a little bit of time um, in the life that you're living right now to discern that very particularly. Uh, you know, in the, in the dating courtship world, that would be that, that period of courtship in which you are, you are going steady, courting, dating, whatever word you want to use, with that one girl. And so you take that one vocation and you say, perhaps this is what God is calling me to. And you really enter into that time of discernment in a very intense way. Uh, you make sure that you're talking to different people and that you are really getting to know that vocation. So I mean, that real contact with the person. And as long as all of that is 
accompanied with that pursuit of holiness and daily prayer, then at the end of that time period, if there are still no reasonable doubts within your mind, it's really just just taking the step and making sure to, to execute, take that, make that act to take the next step down that path of vocation. And of course, just like in the dating world, it could be that you are going steady with a specific order and you find that your charism doesn't really match. And so that that's the, the, the opportunity to rediscern uh, and maybe begin looking at other orders or begin looking at what you are specifically called to in general. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit about your process, uh, because you said in our last segment that you had this vision of what your life was going to be. And I find that generally there's a catalyst, an event or a person that, that uh, says just the right thing, the small phrase that, that shakes you out of your, your understanding and your, your assumption of what life is going to be, uh, to be able, able to even open up and consider a new possibility. What was that catalyst for you? Yeah, for me, it was a variety of different things all coming together at the same time. Um, one of them was my parish had set up a 24-7 adoration chapel, and uh, my mom had been essentially badgered into signing up for a, what, what was called a family holy hour. Um, and my dad at the time was working in Wisconsin. He would just be home on the weekends. My sister was off in college. Uh, and you know, quite often my mom couldn't make it. And so she just made me go. And I sat in front of the Eucharist um, hours and hours and hours. And to, to tell you the truth, I shamelessly have to say it. You know, the first several months, I just kind of daydreamed there in front of our Lord. But there was a, there was a new priest that had moved into our parish. And there was also a, a married man that came in. And both of them were, were very normal, fun people who loved our Lord, knew the faith very well, had a deep relationship uh, with our Lord, and just loved to be Catholic. And uh, the two of them influenced me very much, and I started to really delve into my faith more and more. And I eventually realized, I thought, oh, wow, the Eucharist is really the Eucharist. This is incredible. Um, and so you know, I started praying and really developing that relationship with our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. Um, then also my, my priest would, would always uh, preach about the importance of confession. He was preaching on confession all the time. And I just kind of thought to myself, well, poor guy seems to be lonely in the confessional. I guess I'll go, I'll go say hello to him a few times. <laughs> so uh, I would, uh, you know, I started going to confession regularly and I really experienced the, the freeing power of the sacrament of confession that, that, you know, so many of these things that, you know, I was trying to cut out of my life on my own and couldn't were just melting away before the fire of um, our Lord's love in the confessional. And so the, the two of those coming together, and then um, I, I was going to the Air Force Academy, it was the college that I went to. And while I was on the drive there, uh, I listened to a big 10 CD set on theology of the body hmm. and really just came to understand the, the beauty of married life um, and there was just one line in that set that uh, flipped a switch for me. And it was that in marriage, we have this great, beautiful thing. And in celibacy, we sacrifice what is good for something that is even better. Mm -hmm. And when I realized that, uh, and our Lord had been preparing my heart for those years, that's when 
I was able to to open up my mind really to the idea of the priesthood and uh, the love for the Eucharist and the love for the sacrament of confession, um, for the liturgy that had developed, you know, during those years in high school and under the guidance of, of those two good men in my life. Um, really, it, it all just came together and I realized, oh my goodness, I'm called to the priesthood. Well, <laughs> suppose I should probably act on this now. Yeah. It's interesting to me, um, one of the, you know, you have those phrases that you say over and over again. Uh, I'm a convert to the Catholic faith. Uh, and one of the things that I say is that all practicing Catholics are converts because the faith requires of us a continual conversion, that there's always some corner of our life that we need to turn over more fully to the Lordship, to the kingship of Jesus Christ. And to say, you know, this this has not been doing so well under my management, uh, and so I need to submit that area of my life, whether it be uh, for time management of going to adoration, to Eucharistic adoration, whether it be going to confession, whatever it is to say, you know what, I, I need more of Christ in my life so that it doesn't just turn into the mundane um, the cycle of seasons and days and years that happen over and over and over again without thought. It's that process of, of devoting ourselves in conversion toward holiness uh, that we can become really useful for the kingdom of God in whatever vocation it is that God has called us to. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that, that focus on, on Christ the King is a very important one and very fitting at this time of the year that, um, you know, as Americans, I think we're almost... Um, we're, we're very enculturated that, that kingship is a bad thing. Um, however, Christ the king is the perfect king. He's not like so many of the human kings who, who didn't quite live up to their vocation. Uh, so he's the king that, that rules not to serve himself, but to serve us. Uh, and when we really realize that and just abandon ourselves to him, uh, we find a depth of, of fulfillment, joy, happiness that you know, we never even thought was possible. I think that we're worried to have uh, a tyrant, even though we know that God is not tyrant. Anytime we hear a king, all we can think of is, well, we have the American Revolution, so we don't, <laughs> we don't have to live in a kingdom. And yet, uh, when God has these things for his kingdom, uh, it's not a democracy. We don't get to vote on what it is that, uh, that God has for uh, us as a church or what God has for us as an, an individual. What we can do is trust that God who is perfect and perfectly good is going to have good things even for us. And that's a little bit of a painful process to say, okay, I, I'm going to give up the idea of what I had and I'm going to put that in the hands of someone that I can't control and I can't, I don't have any, any leverage over and I'm just going to hear what it is that God now has to say. Yeah, it's re real abandonment, just like the Blessed Mother, the, the let it be done unto me according to your will, you know, mm -hmm. such a good example to us on that. So as you have, uh, as you have been ordained and have worked in spiritual direction and you've worked with college students, uh, what have you found to be, uh, a, maybe it's a devotional practice, maybe it is uh, some personal development practice uh, that you have found has aided people the most in coming to a place where they, one, can hear God's voice, because you can't discern what God wants if you can't hear his voice, uh, and two, has helped them discern their vocations. 
really the the answer to that is is frequent use of of the sacraments um, regularly going to mass making it to, to daily mass more often uh, if you're at all able and regular use of the sacrament of confession um, you know the the real freeing power of the sacrament is so important i find oftentimes people have a difficult time accepting or discerning their vocation uh, because they're they're bound in some way by some some sin whether it's a very obvious one that they're able to identify or something that um, perhaps they they aren't even aware of but are just really need to be freed of in that way uh, and the the sacraments are the real source of that freedom and then after that um, a real turning to the blessed mother i always talk about the the daily rosary as as the nuclear option in the spiritual life that if you want to really get something done you turn to the, turn to the blessed mother um, and she will always always guide us to our lord and to his will for us yeah we're talking today with Father George Elliott. He's got this new book, Discernment Do's and Don'ts, A Practical Guide to Vocational Discernment on Tan Books, tanbooks.com. In the last couple of minutes that we have here, you also uh, started this thing, this podcast called Catholic Bites that has now expanded into Catholic Cast Media. Talk really briefly about what that is and what they might find when they go to the website there. Yeah, so if you go to catholicbitespodcast.com, you'll see uh, a whole series of, of podcasts. Um, all of them are intended to be short so that it'd be something very easy to listen to on the way to work, on the way to school, uh, while folding the laundry, whatever it is. We tried to make it compact enough so that anybody uh, in any little task could, could listen to these, these podcasts. They're all on matters of the faith, ranging from the scriptures to church history to more morality, dogmatic theology. Really, it stretches um, the whole gamut of our faith um, and is made to be for people who are on the go. Mm-hmm. And then if you go to Catholic cast media, uh, that is now it's a kind of Catholic film studio. And so we, we do a number of different film projects, video projects for different Catholic institutions. So different dioceses will ask us to help produce coursework or uh, fundraising videos. Uh, we've worked with EWTN, Ignatius press, St. Benedict Press, a variety of different publishers out there who just need a little bit of help with some video overflow. And so we're there to, to serve the Catholic Church and to really help um, those institutions make beautiful videos for the advancement of the church. We've been talking today with Father George Elliott. Go over to catholiccastmedia.com, catholiccastmedia.com. There you'll find the Catholic Bites podcast as well as all of their other projects. Also, while you're online, go over to tanbooks.com and pick up a copy of Father's new book, Discernment Do's and Don'ts, a practical guide to vocational discernment by our guest today, Father George Elliott. There's more to my conversation with Father George available to those who keep us on the air, our Patreon supporters. Each week, I like to give an extra segment, and this week, there's about 14 minutes of extra content available to them. If you want access to that, go over to OutsideTheWalls.com. Click the support the show link, the Patreon link there. And for as little as $5 a month, you get access to our weekly extra segments. I'd love to have you as a part of that community. Speaking of community, join us over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter. The handles at outside the walls. There's much more to come right after the break. You're listening to outside the walls with TL Putnam.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, T.L. We've been talking today with Father George Elliott about a new book that he's written, Discernment, Do's and Don'ts, A Practical Guide to Vocational Discernment. That's available over on Tan Books, tanbooks.com. If you missed any part of the show or you know someone who could really benefit, maybe they're in the middle of, uh, of discerning God's will for their life, that could benefit from this interview, well, the interview is archived immediately after the broadcast is over. Uh, you can go over to OutsideTheWalls.com and find all of our archives, but specifically this show with, uh, with Father George Elliott. Let's turn our attention now to our reading from Scripture and from church history. And as we're talking today about Christ being king and us discerning and finding our place in his kingdom, specifically by submitting to him as king. And our readings from scripture and church history point to that and, and dovetail into this nicely. Uh, and before we read today's first reading, uh, that's going to come from the book of Romans, I want to point out that the word Lord that we use all the time is again uh, a term of monarchy. It's a term of, of ruling and reigning and, and uh, in the same way that we would use president or prime minister uh, or king, Lord is also a term of, uh, of dominion. So we start with our reading from Romans 10 and we hear this. Brothers and sisters, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with the heart and so is justified and one confesses with the mouth and so is saved. The scripture says, no one who believes in him will be put to shame. There's no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all, enriching all who call upon him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him whom they have not believed? And how can they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone to preach? And how can people preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. But not everyone has heeded the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what was heard from us? Thus, faith comes from what is heard. And what is heard comes through the word of Christ. But I ask, did they not hear? Certainly they did. For their voice has gone forth to all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. That reading comes from the book of Romans. And there's a couple of things here that I want to point out. The first is this insistence on, on Christ as Lord, as the one who has dominion. And that's something, he's the same Lord over all of us. Uh, this comes back to Christ, the King of the universe. He is Lord of us, and he has say in what we do with our life. And then we come here. We come to this call. How can those who are outside, how can they call on him whom they have not believed? This is a clarion call for those uh, of us who are part of the kingdom to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, to make that known. And I would take this even further uh, and I tell my own sons this. I tell them, you have a destiny. You, you have something that God has, uh, has put in your heart. 
And you can't be whatever you want. You can be what he's called you to. And so the biggest thing, and Father talked about this over and over in, in his segment, um, the biggest thing is to pursue holiness and to develop relationship with God and let him tell you what it is he wants you to be. Now, all of us in our own way can proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. We can be witnesses to, uh, to the grace of God in our lives. But there is a specific thing uh, that someone needs to preach. They need to be sent. And more than that, I tell my sons, uh, without the priesthood, there's no Eucharist. Without the ordained priest, we have no ability to receive the graces of the sacraments. And so if you're thinking, what's the, what's the thing that I can do in my life to make a difference, and you have not yet entered into your vocation, I strongly, I strongly encourage you, discern the priesthood. This doesn't mean that that's what you need to do. You don't need to say, oh, well, then I'm, by all means, I need to go and be a priest. No, just take the time and discern the possibility. Is this the thing that Jesus Christ, Lord of all, King of the universe, has called me to? And then through that process of discernment, the answer may be no, but at least you will have discerned it. And we need the sacramental sign. We need that strong witness of of religious life. So discern the possibility that God may be calling you into religious life either as a nun or a sister or a monk, or a brother, or a priest. And if you go through that discernment process and you decide that, yes, this is what God is calling me to, trust in the benevolence of Christ the King. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news, and we'll be praying for you. Our reading from church history today comes from the breviary from a treatise on the kingdom of Jesus by St. John Eudes. We must strive to follow and fulfill in ourselves the various stages of Christ's plan, as well as his mysteries, and frequently beg him to bring them to completion in us and in the whole church. For the mysteries of Jesus are not yet completely perfected and fulfilled. They are complete, indeed, in the person of Jesus, but not in us who are his members, nor in the church which is his mystical body. The Son of God wills to give us a share in his mysteries and somehow to extend them to us. He wills to continue them in us and in his universal church. This is brought about first through the graces he has resolved to impart to us and then through the works he wishes to accomplish in us through these mysteries. This is his plan for fulfilling his mysteries in us. For this reason, St. Paul says that Christ is being brought to a fulfillment in his church and that all of us contribute to this fulfillment, and thus he achieves the fullness of life, that is, the mystical stature that he has in his mystical body, which will reach completion only on Judgment Day. In another place, Paul says, I complete in my own flesh what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. This is the plan by which the Son of God completes and fulfills in us the various stages and mysteries. He desires us to perfect the mystery of his incarnation and birth by forming himself in us and being reborn in our souls through the blessed sacraments of baptism and the Eucharist. He fulfills his hidden life in us, hidden with him in God. 
He intends to perfect the mysteries of his passion, death, and resurrection by causing us to suffer, die, and rise again with him and in him. Finally, he wishes to fulfill in us the state of his glorious and immortal life, when he will cause us to live a glorious, eternal life with him and in him in heaven. In the same way, he would complete and fulfill in us and in his church his other stages and mysteries. He wants to give us a share in them and to accomplish and continue them in us. So it is that the mysteries of Christ will not be completed until the end of time, because he has arranged that the completion of his mysteries in us and in the church will only be achieved at the end of time. That reading comes from a treatise on the kingdom of Jesus by St. John Eudes. And this is so important, that Christ's kingdom is fulfilled in us as we submit to him. And the more we kick and scream and demand our own way, the less likely will ever be fulfilled. It's uh, the reading from last week in Mass. Uh, Whoever would save his life would lose it. But whoever would lose his life for my sake will find it. In the process of letting go of our own demands, we find fulfillment. So as we celebrate this solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the universe, the question rings out, will you acknowledge Jesus as King? Will you acknowledge Christ as monarch and supreme ruler? And will we? Will we let go of this idea that we must direct our life and trust that God, who is eternally good, will have good things for us if we obey him and we follow him? Now, this is a very easy thing to say from this side of the microphone. It's very easy to say, oh, well, all you have to do is submit. All you have to do is, is, uh, is trust Jesus. But the reality is it can be a very painful and scary process to let go and to trust in Christ. It, it's almost like dying. There are times where you think, if I let go of the control of my life, will I have any uh, sense of safety at all? Will anyone take the reins, or is my life just going to spiral out of control? And the truth of the matter is, that process is dying. It's dying to self, and this is the very process of a disciple. When Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, if anyone would be my disciple, that's you and me, let him deny himself. That's this process right here. Take up his own cross, the instrument of his death, and follow me. And so by laying down our own control of our lives and our control of the situation and turning it over to Jesus Christ, King of the universe, that's what we're doing. We're denying ourselves. We're taking up our cross. We're trusting that he knows the way and we're following him. That's all the time we have for today. Today's show is brought to you by Brandy Carey and all those who support the show through Patreon. We're so grateful for their support as they keep us on the air. Join their numbers by going to OutsideTheWalls.com and clicking that Patreon link. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.